You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for, because this is for the last. This is Reform Raza. My name is Martin Velasquez alongside with my brothers. This is Justin Corona. And what up, everybody? This is Brother Vic. And you are now in the mix. <laughs> Don't forget to hit us up at reformraza.com. Right there, you can check out our episodes. You can hit us up and shoot us an email right there. Leave us a voicemail, and you will get played on one of our episodes. So go ahead and hit us up on Instagram as well, on Facebook, and yeah. Hit not us up Twitter. Right there. No, not Twitter. <laughs> I always feel like I'm missing something. Nope, that's it. I <laughs> think because everything is now condensed to the website. It's, yeah, just it just seems website. like a... It's, yeah, everything's on the website. You but, could click everything yeah. on there. Or and yeah, I forgot on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to leave a five star review. That's five star. Five star. The culprit who left the four star still has yet to make himself known. Unmask yourself. <laughs> We're still praying for you. <laughs> leave a comment. Leave a review. An honest review. And uh, yeah, go ahead and, and hit that up. Would greatly appreciate that. And don't forget to hit up redeemedprojectradio.com 24-7 online radio station um, with uh, highlighting pastors on every Sunday that are in the hood doing urban work and yeah it's dope redeemedprojectradio.com 24-7 Christian hip hop it's just some dope stuff so go ahead and hit that up and follow Redeem Project Radio on Instagram and Facebook as well at the moment, our store is on hold, so um, our supplier is on hold. They're going to be out of town until February, so if I know a lot of people have been buying shirts, yeah. so for yeah. all those that are sold out, are, are <laughs> trying to buy a shirt within these next two weeks, you guys got to hold off until February. I know you guys got the itch. You guys want that <laughs> reform Rasa shirt, but you guys are going to wait till February. Amen. This is the way. This is the way. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> and so, gracias for tuning in on this uh, episode. We're going to continue with our series on the on Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about his life. If we, you, you didn't uh, catch the recent episodes, go ahead. And we've been talking about, you know, uh, the prophecies, he, the, the prophecies he fulfilled, his uh, offices that he had, um, his birth. And now we're going to talk about his life, mm. his life, his, the life of Christ. So many people, um, and rightly so, you know, we, we emphasize the death of Christ, right? The gospel, you know, the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. And the, this is very important um, to keep mentioning. But one aspect of the gospel also that you don't hear really mentioned is the life of Christ. That is part of the gospel that because Jesus was righteous, 
like actually a righteous man, never sinned, kept the law 100%. Through his perfect life, we are imputed with that perfect life so that when we stand before God, we're not standing on our own righteousness. We're standing on the righteousness of Christ. And I just want to start off by just reading real quick to all my reformed cats out there. From the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Ooh. Day 27. Ooh, I mean, one of the three forms right here. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, if you don't hold to the three forms of unity, come on, bro. Hey, that, that sounds like it's like a rap group right there, like an underground rap group. Three the three forms, forms of unity. <laughs> that's like the, like the, a trio. And the album title of the Creeds and Confessions. Damn, that's dope. <laughs> dude, dude. If you guys, are, if, if you guys, if, if any of you guys are a rapper and you guys want to start coming out with some stuff, call yourselves the three forms. Oh, the three forms of unity. <laughs> you heard it here, from here, folks. Yeah, so now you got to pay the, us. The three FUs. That. All right, go ahead. <laughs> that sounds like an oldie group. <laughs> the three FUs. Anyways, Lord's Day 23, question 60 says, how are you righteous before God? Answer, only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments, of never having kept any of them, and of still being inclined towards all evil, nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never sinned nor been a sinner. And as if I had been a perfectly, as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me, if I only accept this gift with a believing heart. So I think that sums up really what this episode is about. Uh, we are granted, we are credited the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. As if I had never sinned nor been a sinner and as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. So that's the, the, the main point of this episode is that we are not only saved by the death of Christ, but we are saved by his life as well. It's like one of those slogans that uh, most people recite when they hear justified. They'll say, just as if I've never sinned. Mm -hmm. But this is that answering. The reason why we're we are justified or just as if we haven't sinned as far as how the father looks at us is because of the life of Christ that is before us. And so this is what is actually transferred to us. We did an episode on justification by faith in mm -hmm. season one uh, episode, whatever um, that we did that episode uh, justification by faith. And right there, we just, just talk about how we're justified. We talk about the imputed righteousness of Christ. So this is just going deeper into that idea and expanding upon it that the life of Christ is really what sustains us. He died for us. He really died for us, but he also lived for us. Uh, so Galatians 3 chapter, Galatians 3 chapter, Galatians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, <laughs> Galatians 3 chapter 3, verses, <laughs> verse 3, verse 3. 
Galatians 3, 3 and 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. What does that mean? If Jesus only died on the cross for our sins, we would be forgiven. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, then we would have to maintain our justification by ourselves. If Jesus just came down and died, died for our sins and then resurrected, then we would have to uh, maintain our own righteousness, right? But since Jesus lived the perfect life, this righteousness is what is imputed unto us. And this righteousness that I now have is enough to secure my citizenship in heaven because when I stand before God, he will see the perfect righteousness of Christ. I like how Stephen Lawson puts it. I was listening to one of his preachings earlier today, and he goes, Jesus could have just came down and he could have just gone to the cross right away. He didn't have to mm -hmm. be born. He didn't have to come in, uh, into the flesh. But just like as Arshi Sproul says it as well, he says that if Jesus just came to die for our sins, we'd be innocent, but we wouldn't be made righteous. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus had to come into the flesh, even born as a baby, to live all of his life as a human being so that he can fulfill the righteousness that we have right now. I think in the Old Testament, it even, in a way, portrays that question that if he only just came, that if, if only his death was just accomplished instead of the life, which would uh, give us righteousness, then it would display the, that that portion in Exodus when um, they put the, the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, mm -hmm. right? So so then it would just say that, okay, well, the death of Christ basically did what the lamb did in the Old Testament, but then we would still have to wander in the desert only to die because we weren't able to keep ourselves in that sense because God ended up having them killed because they kept turning to their false idols. But it, but here we have this better image that not only did he save us from the angel of death, like in the, like in displayed in Exodus, but instead now he also kept us mm -hmm. in that way. So yeah, we can go in really deep on that. So let, let's set up the, the platform to get to, to that. Since we're talking about the life of Christ, uh, we're talking about the entirety of his life. Mm -hmm. So what do we know about the early years, or the early days of Jesus? Well, we have, an account, we have a, the account of his birth, right? In Luke uh, chapter one, you know, we went through that in the birth of Christ episode, Christmas episode. But what do we know about the adolescent years or the early life of Jesus? Nothing is really said, you know, about his youngster years, except we have one story in the book of Luke in chapter two. And we get a story of 12 year old Jesus left behind by his parents. And uh, he wasn't even like tripping. <laughs> he, he was like, when his parents came back, you know, I can imagine, you know, Mary, you know, as my wife would get, you know, panicking when we lose our kid at the store. They laugh, bro. They left him there. Like, you're not going to notice Jesus was gone like three days later. Like, whoops. Hey, where's Jesus? Oh, he's not here. Yeah, think about that. It wasn't <laughs> like it was like an hour or two. It was a couple days. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like the Home Alone, dude. <laughs> Here, give this to Jesus. Give this. <laughs> Except Mary. Jesus! 
And then she just falls. <laughs> oh my goodness. You did not just. <laughs> oh man. It's exactly like that. That's what I was picturing. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so they went back to catch Jesus preaching, you know, and like nothing, you know? Mm. And like, Jesus, what, what, what? We didn't notice you were gone. Like, don't you know I must be on my father's business? So even as a youth, as an adolescent child, he was already um, being obedient to the father in his early years. Um, so this is important to know, right? Because this is the only story that we get of Jesus as a youth. And why is this important? Because there's a lot of uh, false religions out there, like Islam, that have the book of Quran, who actually have stories of Jesus as a youth, or uh, uh, false texts, uh, false books, like the Gospel according to Judas, and movies like Young Messiah, if you guys ever seen Have you guys heard of that movie before, Young Messiah? I heard of it. I think it came out, what, like two years ago? Nah, it came out a lot, a lot more than that. But anyways, it's just it's just a story about his youth, right? And uh, all these portray Jesus in a different way than we get in Scripture. The Scriptures don't tell us about his early years like that, except there's one account. And then the Gospel according to Judas, it has a story about, you know, Jesus playing with some kids and and he accidentally kills one of the kids, but then he resurrects him. I mean, obviously that's false, right? Because it gives us a different portrayal of who Jesus is. So this is important to notice because there's actually people out there that would actually reference uh, these kind of stories and be like, you see, Jesus wasn't wasn't perfect. You see, Jesus wasn't sinless. He actually sinned. Excuse me. He actually sinned. But since the Bible is God's inspired word, this is the only... Uh, story that we get and it is sufficient to know enough about his adolescent years later on then we see jesus uh at his baptism and that's when the story continues so we get nothing from 12 years old all the way to the age of 30 so then as, as we continue in the life of jesus the the one of the main portions that the other <clears throat> that the other gospels get straight into is his baptism right mm -hmm. because we know this as believers the beginning of his ministry his three-year ministry um as he goes around and and continues to teach heal and 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 do miracles but i guess a question is what what was the reason for jesus to be baptized so we i mean i i, I know for myself too you know being a new believer i would ask myself why does he need to be baptized and i think that's something that even john the baptist goes on to even try to uh, point out as well mm -hmm. lord i should be you should be baptizing me right so then why did jesus need to be baptized yeah and i think it's important to also note that john was baptized baptizing people for repentance right if Jesus is sinless, he has no need to be baptized because he has no need to re repent. Mm -hmm. All right. So why is why is this important? Well, we get the answer in the book of Matthew chapter three. It says to fulfill all righteousness. Right. Keywords fulfill and righteousness. But what does that actually mean? I would say, and I think this is what lines up with scripture. Since Jesus was sinless, 
and had no reason to repent. He had no reason to repent. But since Jesus was obedient to the will of the Father, Jesus submitted himself to John's baptism as a sign of not only his submission to fulfill the will of the Father, but also as a sign of his identifying with his people to bear their sin. And this is important because we don't only get baptized because that's what Jesus did, right? Why do we do this all? That's what Jesus did. Not just that. We are actually baptized into Christ or baptized into him. And since the work of Christ is a vicarious act, meaning it's on behalf of people, Jesus must actually be a righteous man. And that would mean being numbered among sinners and partaking of the requirements that God demands. Thus, this sign of baptism is a sign of Jesus taking on the role of the Messiah and the mediator to fulfill what is called the covenant of grace. And at this point, after he's baptized and, you know, comes up after the water, we have this, you know, amazing picture of the Trinity. God the Father speaking audibly, the Spirit of God descending on, on Jesus. So we have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Spirit. And this is uh, Jesus, is uh, his inauguration or his anointing as the Messiah. When, when the voice of God says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. That's, you know, we're going to have the... I don't even know when. I don't even care when it's going to happen. The inauguration of the presidency. This is what's going down right here. This is Jesus uh, sending out. And this confirms Jesus baptized. Jesus was baptized as a sign, but also to confirm the message of John. That this is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So he confirms the message that John was sharing. And Jesus was baptized as a sign, as identifying uh, with his people to bear their sin and as a sign of his submission to fulfill the covenant of grace, meaning to fulfill uh, God's righteous requirements, to be submitted unto him. And this is why theology matters, because I always read this scripture wrong. I always read this scripture as, well, Jesus left an example that we should get baptized too. But never understanding the, the theological roots that you just explained right there. I mean, I have a confession to make. Even I would use this when I, when I would when I used to baptize people. Like, hey, Jesus did it too. We should be doing <laughs> that too. Yeah. To fulfill our righteousness, I took it as, see, he led the example. To fulfill mm-hmm. righteousness, we need to fulfill our righteousness. And that's very, very incorrect. This is why theology matters. Yeah, and... and- I think, yeah, like how we're going back as as far as the note, when John was doing baptism, it was a baptism of repentance. Mm-hmm. And and he, and it wasn't uncommon for that, bat, it wasn't like the first time people were being baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, when, most time when, when people who were converting to Judaism, they would go through a rite, or it was called a purification rite of cleansing. So they would be baptized into Judaism. And so basically that is basically in a way of cleansing them because they were um, unclean because they were Gentiles. So coming into Judaism, they would then be clean because of the water purification. But John the Baptist was also baptizing Jews as well. So that's why Pharisees looked at him, you know, with a little stink in their eye because Jews were considered clean. But yet John was also calling Jews to be cleansed as well. 
And so John the Baptist was not only, not only cleaning, uh, cleansing uh, Gentiles, but also Jews into this. And so that's why when Jesus then steps forward to be baptized, he wasn't doing so much to to um, to be clean from 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 being unclean, but he was doing it to identify with his people. Which if and that takes it back to Isaiah, when Isaiah went on to, to um, when they when it was prophesied about the servant and how he would identify with his people. Isaiah fifty three. And, and, and even before Isaiah 53, I believe it was Isaiah 42, when God speaks of his servant and how he will and, and how he will remark that he'll be pleased with him. Right. So the same words that God speaks over Jesus after he comes out of the water is the same words he speaks in Isaiah 42 about what he will say to to his servant when he comes to do his earthly ministry. And so if if anyone knew their word back then like the scribes or the pharisees they would have been able to pick up on that if they heard uh, what god spoke because if if what god spoke through isaiah 42 happened then that would mean jesus would then be followed up by isaiah 52 and 53 about his servant and what his servant would accomplish but <laughs> They were oblivious. But, but that's just me, though. But that's just me, though. <laughs> Who was it with the frog? We just drink coffee, but it's none of my business. <laughs> like Kermit? <laughs> no, that, that's important because if they would have, you know, actually been interpreting the scripture as it was, they would have gotten the gospel. Yeah, they would have caught on to the gospel right away because we have the gospel in Isaiah. All those chapters right there, not just 53, but the chapters bef- yeah. before. It's all gospel centered right there, like literally. And and this is where Jesus gets his title Messiah because mm-hmm. Messiah is anointed one. And here the Holy Spirit then descends upon Jesus and he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So this is where his anointing or I guess that anointing happens, right? Or his ordination. And so this is where um, he then is. Well, before he was considered that, but this is where the the term Messiah then is fulfilled onto Jesus mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a word I, really, I usually don't use, anointing, things like that. This is the proper way to use I, it. I think, maybe that carries, <laughs> I think maybe because that carries baggage. Yeah. From, uh, but this is the correct way because yeah. that's what it is. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? This is, Jesus was anointed as Messiah at that very moment at his baptism. So, so... So continuing after that, right away, you know, in the book of Mark, you know, we have words like immediately after his baptism, he was led by the spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit himself to go to the wilderness. And there that's when he was fasting for 40 days. And this 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 is dope right here, because, I mean, one thing that we must not do is to lean too much to either side. I meaning we can't just emphasize so much the humanity of Christ and leave out his deity or emphasize the deity so much and leave out his humanity. Jesus was a man, 100%. He was also God, 100%. 100. 100. And so the sufferings that he went through, the temptations, these things he actually went through as man. You know, so I just, I just want to, you know, emphasize that 
as we get into this next portion about the temptation of Christ. So in Mark chapter four, in Mark chapter one, and Matthew chapter four, we see the temptation of Jesus Christ. Now, th- this is uh, similar to uh, the first Adam, right? Adam in the garden. He was tempted also by Satan, and we see uh, Jesus being tempted by Satan, right? So this is what I wrote down: the first Adam was tempted in paradise along with a helper, and yet fell. The second Adam was tempted in the desert after not eating or fasting for 40 days alone and withstood the temptation of El Chamuco, or the devil. Since Jesus passed the temptation, he was qualified to be the second Adam. So we, we see this language in, in the book of Romans, right? The, the first Adam and the second Adam, right? So this is beneficial to us because Jesus underwent such hostile circumstances yet held on to God's word, right? The sufficiency of scripture. We too are able to withstand temptation through God's word, right? And so we have scriptures like Hebrews uh, chapter four, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, also, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Just as Jesus endured the hostile environment. Think about it. Not eating for 40 days. He's in the desert, man. He's in, he's in a place where even if you wanted to eat, there was no food. But then being tempted by the devil himself coming down and making trying to make him doubt God's very word. The first Adam, he failed. He was in the paradise. He had all the food in the world. He was not hungry, I bet you, when, when we partook of the fruit. And yet he fell in the midst of paradise. Jesus... On contrary circumstance, circumstances, past the temptation. And since his acts of righteousness, like we said earlier, are vicarious, are on behalf of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, we too are, are also able to bear those temptations because Jesus endured. We will endure as well. mm mm I had to do that like y'all. You always do. That. I always wanted to do that, man. Let me talk about this real quick because this is something that, I mean, obviously the scripture just reppins that no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. So we all get tempted. If I was there right, right in front of you in the congregation, I'd be like, raise up your hand if you if you've ever been tempted. If you don't raise up your hand, you're a liar. That's what I would say <laughs> right now because the reality is that in our humanness, in our we are made new in the image of Christ, but that doesn't mean that the old self is always trying to creep back up. But this is why it's important right here, because we always think of, you know, God, scripture, and it's like, that's somewhere out there. That's like out there. There's, people think I can never obtain obtain that. And in a way, it is true. We can never obtain our own righteousness. That's why Jesus had to come down. But we always think about how you know God is somewhere else and we're not able to commune but this is the reason this is the importance of Jesus's life that because 
Yes, sin, we are separated between us and God. We are separated because of our sin. And this is the whole point of why Jesus came down, because we couldn't go to him. So he had to come in the form of a man. Philippians chapter 2, I believe, says it mm-hmm. like this, that even though he was in the form of God, did not consider him equality with God, but humbled him, or he came in in humbleness, in humility. In other words, he took off he emptied himself. emptied himself from his not from, the, from his deity but from the from the glory from the glory yeah. and so this is this is the whole reason right here this is why it's important 100% God Jesus is God in the flesh his deity read about it all over through the book of John his I am sayings even it, it, it's all over scripture you cannot deny a person who denies that God Jesus is God has never opened their Bible but he is a hundred percent man as well and he faced these th- these temptations for for a reason I, I love I, I was listening to Steve Lawson I love how he put it it's not just so we can set an example he came to fulfill as well and even the scripture that you mentioned that about the high priest that he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses and I want to read a, a, a portion of scripture. In, in Hebrews, it says, therefore, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also took partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless whom who had the power of death, that is the devil, or as Martha puts it, the chamuco. The chamuco. <laughs> <laughs> and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery, slavery all of their lives for as for surely he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able also to help those who are being tempted. This is why it's important. In our temptation, we feel we can't do it. I'm going to give in because I'm powerless. No, this is one of those things that, how much I mentioned earlier, I get cautious when you hear anointing or something. Mm-hmm. I sometimes get cautious too when I'm talk, talking about this, a little bit of this, because it's not so much that, that it's, uh, I don't know how to put it, the words were just in my mind right now. But Jesus came to fulfill the righteousness. He came to live that life, suffered, so that, I'm gonna be careful with this, but to empower us, strengthen us, strengthen yeah. us, that we may also endure. Because sometimes when we are temptation, we feel like, oh, we're alone and this and that. But no, God has given us of the Holy Spirit, and that when we pray, we know that He is able to sympathize with us. That He also faces temptations. He is able to help us to come out of it. We have to understand the attributes of God, that God is faithful even when we are faithless. In the midst of our temptations, that the word of God says that he will provide a way out so you may endure it. And so this is why it's important also to, I encourage you, get into your word, get into prayer. That you may be overcome, overcome these temptations. That's what Jesus said to his disciples, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Mm-hmm. But it's important for anybody who feels like they're struggling or or it's a, it's been a long season. Man, let's just get into prayer and get into the word of God because God has provided a way out through his son, Jesus Christ. And and just how, man, you could see just through the gospels, just how Jesus continues 
to identify with his people through temptations, baptism, and and even just through pains. You see times when when Jesus weeps, he cries, when he mourns, and even when he's sorrowful in Gethsemane. Uh, but in James 1, 12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Here, James makes that detail from from when Jesus was tempted. He's saying that, um, for God cannot be tempted with evil. This is how we see that Jesus passes the temptation test. When he's in the wilderness, he doesn't give in to the temptations. Why? Because he's God and he is sinless. So during this trial, it only goes to prove that Christ had no sin. Because then we see it later that James points out. It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. When we're tempted, it is only because there's the desire within us to sin. And when we fall into the temptation, we then bring forth sin. It gives birth to sin, as we just read. But also, too, as James points out, that God cannot be tempted. So even though Satan tried to tempt him, there was no desire in Jesus for Jesus to come out and sin because he cannot be tempted. He was sinless. And so I think just within that trial, it goes on to prove how Jesus was sinless Mm -hmm. and how beginning his ministry, he already demonstrated what Adam cannot do. For one, he was able to continue in obedience and take uh, wisdom and and follow in, in the father's guidance where Adam has failed when he was tempted by the same devil. Adam was in the, the was in the security of the garden, tempted by something that he already had an abundance of. Whereas Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, which most times was considered a place where um, demons and spirits would roam back in that time. And he was also tempted during a time when his body had abstained from food because he was fasting so he was in a more deeper um time as far as that he could have easily fell into temptation where adam would have fell already but this just went to prove that jesus was who he was that he was god in the flesh and so man when we read that and then how we go back to hebrews and how now we are encouraged because the Holy Spirit was with him. Now we could be encouraged that man with the Holy Spirit, we can endure temptation. Yeah. And that just um, reminds me of John 16, where it says, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart or be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we, he really has. Mm-hmm. He actually went through it as as someone like us. 
as a real person and not just that but like how we said his entirety of life even when he was uh on his way to the cross he got ridiculed he was spit upon beaten what does the scripture say he opened not his mouth like think about that dude i think about that a lot <laughs> you know <laughs> these days is it's a you know and just the hostility of the nation and how things are and how people just want to start things it's like jesus didn't open his mouth i'm gonna keep my mouth closed on this one you know? i was actually looking up that scripture right now like i was gonna mention it too that that's a tough one because uh-huh. right away the flesh right away wants to say something back when people talk talk back behind your back you want to obviously not obviously but you you your flesh wants to talk back against that person wants to gossip against that person but well look at the kids when they all play together <laughs> Dang. you keep we keep telling our kids stop it stop you don't have to say it. sinners <laughs> and the guys like look at look at who you were once no <laughs> Come on, bro. We're talking about kids, not us. <laughs> but yeah, so all this that we've been talking about, you know, there's there's a name for it. It's called the active and passive obedience of Christ. And so now, you know, some people say that the active obedience of Christ was just, you know, these events. He kept God's law and in his keeping of the law, he was actively uh, gaining righteousness for us, right? And the passive obedience just has to deal with his death. I would say that his active and passive obedience is his entirety of life. How we said earlier, even from the very beginning of his birth to his death, um, all of it is his his active and passive obedience. So um, in every aspect of Jesus' life and time on earth, he kept all of God's law. You know, the whole 600-some commandments, he kept them all. Because think about it. He was circumcised as a child. That has to do with keeping of the law. Yep. You know, the the ritual washings that his that his parents had to go through, all that. All, all, all of it. His dedication at the temple. All of it. From as a child, all the way up to uh, the beginning of his ministry and to his death. So, Jesus... Uh, kept all of God's law and was paying for the penalty of sin. That is to say, not just certain events, right? But his entirety of life was perfect. This is what is imputed unto us as believers. If Jesus, like we said earlier, if Jesus only came down from heaven to die for our sins and then left, we would be in the same position that the first Adam was in, right? So the the the, the, the position that, that Adam and Eve were in, the first Adam, that is what is called and referred to as the covenant of works, right? God gives a command to man and man, he makes a covenant with man. This is, uh, you can have everything in the, in the, in the garden except this one tree. And from that tree, you cannot, you know, he's making a deal with him. He's making a covenant with them, right? So what does um, Adam do in this, in his state, right? God made Adam good, right? But he was able to make that decision. Adam was the only person that actually had a free will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's on the real. He was made good, not perfect. Yeah. So he had the ability to choose good or evil, right? So if Jesus just came down and just died for our sins, we would be innocent, as you said earlier. We would be free of the guilt, right? 
but we would be it would be almost like a reset button back to that garden now we would have to be uh, liable to for keeping God's covenant but since Jesus came down and actually lived a perfect life it was necessary for Christ to live as the perfect and sinless Lamb of God and pay for the sins of those who would put their faith and trust in Him. And Romans 5, verses 9 through 11 says, Since therefore we have not been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Much more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now have uh, received reconcil- reconciliation. And another text in Romans, Romans 5.17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. First Adam fell and doomed the whole humanity uh, to the curse of, of, of sin. The second Adam came, was perfectly obedient, and therefore those who put their faith and trust in him are justified. They are declared righteous in the eyes of God, and we have newness and abundance of life. So this is why uh, his active, his passive obedience is very important to note because we are actually righteous. You know, Martin Luther said, you know, the sumo justus et peccador, simultaneously sinners, simultaneously saints. And that is very true. You know, I can see my sin all day, every day, you know. But when when we look through God's eyes as who we are in him, he calls us saints. He doesn't call us sinners. He doesn't call us sinners anymore. He calls us saints. Why? Because when I stand before God, that perfect life of Jesus Christ is what is what God sees. And thus we are secure in him. And thus we have an inheritance. We are adopted as sons. And we are received by the Father because of the death, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So we were saved by works. We were saved by the works, works of Christ. Christ. the works of Christ, not the works of our own. Uh, I'm really concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. I don't know why I hit that button. I don't know either, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Don't don't believe everything that you hear. God did not break the law for love. <laughs> the Word of God says that He came to fulf- uh, fulfill the law. Not to abolish the prophets or the law, but he came to fulfill. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, but I came to fulfill them. So even even when he was teaching that Sermon on the Mount that you heard that it was said of old, but I say to you, he was actually not adding to the scripture, but saying what, what this actually meant, to attacking the issues of the heart, because he came to fulfill the law, the, that act of obedience. It's just like how you put it, Martin, that that's his whole life, active and passive obedience. He was being obedient to the Father. And actually paying for our sins. You know what I mean? Like, all this has to do with the gospel. You know what I mean? Um, if we just focus on one aspect, then we're not sharing the entirety of the gospel. 
you know and, th and this is what what changes everything when you actually realize how you're justified you're declared righteous only because of what jesus did in his life not just on the cross and, and i think it's something else to note too how in romans it it goes on to point out how christ was righteous apart from the law and i think we spoke mm. on that too before on the the shadows the types and shadows mm -hmm. about the the law but jesus was righteous already apart from the law so when Jesus lived his life, he wasn't just made righteous. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But because he wasn't just made righteous because he fulfilled the commandments and the law, but he was already righteous and he and he fulfilled righteousness for us. If that makes sense. Yeah, because he didn't have, he had no need to actually exactly. do this, mm -hmm. do any of this stuff. Exactly. He was already righteous. So that's why he submitted. So, I mean, man, when, when you understand that part and you really recognize that Christ had nothing to gain by doing this. Well, actually, well, yeah. So he, he didn't have anything to gain as far as well, within under, himself. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Whereas we had everything to gain because of what Christ did. Mm -hmm. He, from glory, from his throne, stooped down to become man, creation, right? Not that he was created, but he became like man in flesh to fulfill righteousness for us in the flesh. That when he died, that he would be the propitiation for our sins. Thank you. So when it talks about that he humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death on the cross. Like imagine that, dude. Like he he didn't have to do it you're like god god is glorious right if he had never created this earth he would still be in glory he would still be praised amongst the hosts of heaven you know what i mean he is in all the glory already without us and this is what blows my mind about the gospel is that why you know why god why would you create this earth you know and some people say, oh, he did he know that, you know, Adam was going to sin or not? Regardless, I think he did. Yet still, come down. And it's not like he had this glorious life on earth that he could show off. He was ghetto. <laughs> he lived in the hood. You know what I mean? Yeah, in that sense. Not ghetto as in character. So, <laughs> so, like so, so when people say Jesus, my homie, they're not lying? <laughs> they're not lying. Jesus was in the hood. You know, his mom on EBT and all that kind of stuff, man. No, but like, think about that. Like, he came down to the lower parts of the city, right? What good could there come from Nazareth? Like, think about that phrase. Like, they weren't expecting anything. Like, this is the, the torn apart, you know, area the 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 whacked out neighborhood they say man there's only you in know Galilee? yeah there's only bad comes from that city what good can come from from there Our, he chose to come from there you know and yet submit himself to the ridicule of his people and then be tortured and crucified so that we who are unworthy 
can be made worthy so that we who are lost, who blasphemed, who who didn't want nothing at all, yet he would choose us before the foundation of the world to be with him. And yet he would come down and live this this life and then give us eternity. I, I, I think that's why, man, I love Ephesians 2 so <laughs> much. Because in Ephesians 2, how, like how you mentioned, like, why? Why would he do that? But yet in Ephesians 2, 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But like man, why? Because of the because of his mercy, because of the love that which he loved us, that is why. That he would use us to demonstrate that his mercy, his grace, his love, that that we would be able to share in that with Christ. I wasn't really expecting you to answer the question why, but it's just a deep, profound thought, you know what I mean? But since you answered it, I'll take it. <laughs> blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has why? blessed us with spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Why do I ask questions and not want answers? <laughs> No, it's because sometimes you ask a question like, I'm asking the question, I'm waiting for you guys to answer. Then mm-hmm. the answer is like, why did you answer? No, not, I answer that for, <laughs> I answer that no, yeah, for just, you, I'm the listener. For the <laughs> listener. For the edification of this thing. Because, I mean, during this time of quarantine, COVID, and restrictions and all that, we're, we're asking a lot of questions. And mm-hmm. let's, let us find our answers in the Bible. Amen. Let us not philosophize our own uh, answers with our own thinking. But let us look to the word of God and what does the word of God say? How does is this question answered within the word? Yeah, amen. Simple answer is because he loved us. Yeah. That is why. Yeah. And you know, RC Sproul and, and Steve Lawson, they have some awesome preachings on this. And just you know, go to Ligonier and they're on there. I was like, I was listening to some of those earlier. I was like, dang, dude, like this this is this is more profound than, than than I thought, you know. As I was trying to do the outline, I kept on, you know, switching things up, <laughs> just trying to get it right. But dang, just when you just meditate and think about just the fullness of Jesus' life, you know, it's it's something that does blow your mind, and and, and it should cause us to be obedient. See, this is the thing too, like. People don't want to emphasize too much on the active obedience of Christ because if if we're just depending on Jesus' obedience and all his work, then then what are we to do then? Out of out of gratitude and out of uh, joy, uh, our submission to God's word is just a natural result. Because once we 
once we recognize and this truth to you know comes from our mind to our to our heart the only natural response is to be obedient to his word so you know a lot of people especially you know like fundamentalists and things like that they'll take you know the bible and be like if you continue you know this this and that you see if if you continue then 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 uh then if you don't continue that means that you're not saved no they're just telling us our proper response to what christ has done for us is obedience so we do emphasize our obedience to god's word not because of it's a law that we have to do but because it's a natural response that we must submit to god's word out of love and joy because of what he has done for us first we love him why because he first loved us i think that's what removes confusion when you read psalms and you hear david saying that he delights in the law of the lord mm, 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 mm. and that he rejoices in it mm-hmm. it's just like at first glance you or if you if you don't quite understand that you're just like you look at it you read it you're just like man how the heck does somebody delight in the law of the lord because also people will say oh the law of the lord just means god's word so we delight in god's word no it actually means the law yeah you have to to take it back (laughs) to the time of david and to the time of the israelites when the law was given (laughs) god even told them to 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 go to read it to meditate on it to wherever they're at whatever they're doing to always the um to meditate on it, to share it with their children. It's like God intended always that the law would be every part, would be in every part of their lives, that they would not forget it. And here David is saying that, man, I delight in your law. It's like, I don't even do that with the law that I have in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> and we have that example already, you know, people storming the Capitol and things like that. <laughs> Oh, that the depravity of man is real. But that, but that just reminds me, dude, that Jesus, how he said in the, Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Like, we as new creations, think about that. Like, you know, I don't know how people's lives were, you know, before they came to Christ or have you always been to Christ. But me, I was the opposite. I hated the law. I hated righteousness. In the neighborhood, what is what is it called? Bad, good, and good, bad. Oh, hey, what's up, homie? How you doing? Oh, that was bad. That's a bad thing you got. Like you were calling using the literally. Word bad. <laughs> we're using the word bad as a good thing. Like we literally were the opposite. But now we're in Christ. We seek and hunger after righteousness. Like we want to be righteous people. We want to be obedient to not only the laws of the land but to the law of God. That's why I don't want to lie. That's why I don't want to steal. That's why I don't want to cheat on my wife. That's why I want to train on my children to to obey God's law as well. And this, this is only because of the effect of what Jesus did, not only in his death, death uh, in his resurrection, but in his life as well. So that's why it's so important that we also must emphasize his life. Yeah. He was actually righteous. So we are righteous as well. So yeah, man. Any closing thoughts? Any closing arguments or what? Closing thoughts is uh, just a side note because of what Justin, you said that during this time of uncertainties, quarantines and 
even in some cases there's uh, COVID rising up in some places and then some people don't care and then some people are like what are you thinking and this and that I mean I was I, I like listening to preachings but I was listening to preaching that said uh, there is no hope without the life of Christ mm-hmm. if there is if we don't know about the life of Christ then, then we have no hope even even in our deathbed our hope is in Christ his life his active obedience and so I just want to encourage the the listener right now don't take our word for it read the scriptures for yourselves study the word of God and know the life of Christ our, our saying here is edifying or glorifying God through the edification of the saints that grow as we grow and I encourage you to do the same thing if you have not you know Get back to get back to your knees. Get back on the word of God. This should help you that if you fall into temptation, the word of God says that he sympathizes with your weaknesses to run through the throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done through his life, that he is now our high priest. He is our propitiation. Even the word of God says that I write to you this first uh, John. I write this to you so you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Mm-mm-mm. And so just thinking about all this righteousness, run to God. Run to Jesus. Open up your word. Because sometimes, uh, Spurgeon says it like this. Visit many books, but live, live in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I feel like today, many people are living in books, but only visiting the Bible. Damn. It's kind of the opposite. But I mean, this is just a time to just uh, go back to your first love. That's how I encourage all of you who are listening. And I would even say to take note, man, uh, read through the, the Gospels, see the life of Jesus uh, within the Gospels. And, and, and even just take note, man, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. And and even then, Jesus was ministered by to by angels as well. Jesus was comforted by angels during after being tempted by the devil. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was he was uh, ministered to by angels for comforting because even Jesus went through sorrow. And even for us, I mean, we, especially now, I mean, during this time, man, we, we have seen a number of people passing away. People that we have met with before, that we know of, family of friends that we have, people that we've known for a while passing away, people that we know in the hospital, man, uh, there's a lot There's a lot of things going on during this time. So I would even say, man, be in your word, be in prayer, most importantly, and be accountable to another brother or sister. Uh, Jesus was God. We are not. So let us be accountable to one another so that we may not sin in that he has given us a community that we may encourage each other, edify each other pray with one another that's why i'm so blessed by the church that we are at um i mean we have brothers that are texting us every day every other day seeing how we're doing how could i pray for you we have groups so be plugged into a church that you could do that that you may be able to um, pour into with what you learn through the word and someone that could pour into you that you could pray with somebody that someone could pray for you amen Amen. And uh, also keep us in prayer uh, because as we're uh, going on this road of church planting, 
Uh, there's going to be a lot of obstacles and a lot of things that we're going to have to go through. But this is why we do it, because Christ humbled himself. We can also take on that role, too. You know, yep. And walk in the humility. Eat that humble pie. Eat that humble pie and then give it to the hood. You know what I mean? Share it to the hood. So keep us in your prayers. You know, we'll keep you guys updated as church planting as we move forward in that. And, you know, big things happening over here in L.A., O.C., and I.E., Southern Califas. If you are around the area, you know, shoot us a DM or something. Be like, hey, you want to come through or something? I'll send you the address to my church. You know what I mean? So so get ready. February, we're going to be doing a contest. And we'll announce the winner at the end of the month when we do our last season two finale episode. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So as soon as our shirts are back online... That is one way you can help us in our church plant. The funds that go straight to the shirts help us out as a church plant as we yes. save up from now until the time we expect to plant. Dope, dope, dope. As you said that, just uh, Pastor Chris's post always comes to mind. Support thy local church. Support thy local church. <laughs> I say. Do it. And then hashtag baptize your babies. This is the way. <laughs> so we do this to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Grow as we grow. Arrato, vatos. Remember, the force will be with you always. Peace. Jesus, yeah, there's nothing greater God can give for us. But before we gave his life, he lived for us. It's one of salvation's massive ingredients. The Lord Jesus Christ and his active obedience. Jesus, there's nothing greater God can give for us. But before we gave his life, he lived for us. It's one of salvation's massive ingredients. The Lord Jesus Christ and his active obedience. Yeah. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Scene 1 of our story takes place at the Jordan River. John the Baptist proclaiming that the Lord delivers. As he shares truth in each and every sentence, he's telling them to bear fruit and keep them with repentance. This God you can't handle, man, turn from your scandals. There's one coming, I'm not worthy to hold his sandals. When John saw him, his mind was straight in the whirlwind. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the world's sin. Jesus, John's heart was to magnify him The lamb surprised him when he told John to baptize him Did John lack eyes to see? He replied Not to chastise, but you should be baptizing me What's enticing is how Christ replied to this We must do it to fulfill all righteousness Yeah, so now we focus on the works of Christ And how the law was fulfilled in his perfect life Jesus, yeah, there's nothing greater God can give for us But before he gave his life, he lived for us It's one of salvation's massive ingredients The Lord Jesus Christ and his active obedience Jesus, there's nothing greater God can give for us But before he gave his life, he lived for us This one is salvation's massive ingredients The Lord Jesus Christ and his active obedience Yeah, Ephesians 3.8 these are the unsearchable riches of Christ, yeah We know today's generation can't stand lectures We trying to get your attention like hand gestures The truth is close like London is to Manchester To understand better, consider our ancestor Adam, it took place in the Garden of Eden Y'all know the story, how Satan was talking to Eden The snake had her all deceived and she ate And he ate, God had decreed that that would make all of us heathens Romans 5.12 really got my dome spinning Adam's descendants didn't die for their own sinning But here's the thing that 
that you must pay attention to Although you weren't there, Adam represented you Now God is free, he doesn't need an apology For those who struggle though, I'll make a quick analogy Think logically before you criticize One player commits a foul, the whole team gets penalized We were in need of another representative To live the perfect life that none of us could ever live Cause if we're gonna be free from our distress Both sides of the situation need to be addressed We need a substitute in our place to be killed Plus we need the broken law to be obeyed and fulfilled Yeah, and Jeremiah prophesied of this That the Lord himself will be our righteousness Jesus, yeah, there's nothing greater God can give for us But before he gave his life, he lived for us It's one of salvation's massive ingredients The Lord Jesus Christ and his active obedience Jesus, there's nothing greater God can give for us But before he gave his life, he lived for us This one of salvation's massive ingredients The Lord Jesus Christ and his active obedience Yeah the righteousness of Christ is no greater gift, man. Yeah, although we're born into an unholy environment, a holy God can never lower his requirement. You think God's accepting something less than perfection? You must be living in a dream world like Inception. Take refuge in Jesus and indeed be safe. The righteousness of Christ is to be received by faith alone. That's apart from the works of the law. Christ was murdered to reverse the curse of the fall. And so now, astoundingly, Christ's righteous salary and Calvary counts for me. So praise the living God for his amazing wisdom. We get credit for somebody else's work like plagiarism but he does it righteously for the worst of all heathens based on 33 years of perfect law keeping believing in jesus has crazy perks and i guess you can say we've been saved by works jesus yeah there's nothing greater god can give for us but before he gave his life he lived for us it's one of salvation's massive ingredients the lord jesus christ and his active obedience jesus there's nothing greater god can give for us but before he gave his life he lived for us this one of salvation's massive ingredients the lord jesus christ and his active obedience yeah so let us rejoice not only in the death of christ but in the life of christ on our behalf yeah romans 5 19 for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous.